Howdy, howdy, folks, and welcome back to another episode of So Stereotypical. Where us two media creators discuss LGBTQ plus issues, media politics, and whatever else we feel like. I'm one of your hosts, Alexander Prevost. And I'm Noah Dayheim. And today we are going to be talking about the 2005 Academy Award nominated film, a groundbreaker for its time country bumpkin gay shit masterpiece in air quotes brokeback mountain (laughs) so we are continuing on with our conversation with queer media we previously did a three-part series about bros love simon and fire island love so we're kind of continuing this on as a a part four i guess uh, i guess if, if you can it's yeah, kind of it's going to be a continuation where then we are going to talk about what the fuck. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about this film. We're going to have a good time. We're going to break it down. It's going to be a bit of a shorter film, but or shorter, shorter conversation. Wow, that's a that's a we're, we're filming a film a movie today, everyone, apparently. But yeah, um, it's gonna be a shorter conversation. But before we dive into that, um, make sure to follow both Noah, I, and the podcast on socials. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alexander Prevost. That's Alexander P R V S T at Alexander P R V S T. And you can follow me on TikTok and Instagram at N O A H D A H E I M. That is at Noah Dayheim. Also, make sure to follow the podcast at so stereotypical underscore pod on Instagram, Twitter, and now TikTok. Yay! So, we did it! We did it! We, we're finally we, we're on the tick uh, the, the, the the clock app. We did it, Joe. We got a TikTok. We did it, Joe. The wheels on the bus go round and round. <laughs> <laughs> so Alexander's going a little crazy right now. That's so my bad, very bad Kamala um, Harris impression. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Let's break into the synopsis do you want to kind of give a rundown about what the film is about where it's based in that kind of stuff yeah absolutely so brokeback mountain is a uh indie art house gay cowboy drama film uh, released in 2005 the film starts in 1963 um following these two cowboys a rodeo cowboy named jack twist played by jake gyllenhaal aka red scarf aka taylor swift's ex aka um i will find you um (laughs) Uh, and ranch hand uh, Enos Del Mar, played by the late and great Heath Ledger. May he rest in peace. Um, they are, one summer uh, in 1963, hired as sheep herders in Wyoming uh, by the Brokeback Mountains. And one night, um, as they are kind of bonding, and you know, kind of the story kind of follows their growing, like, friendship, romance, the lines get blurred, where Jack makes a drunk pass at Enos. And then they kind of just start hitting it off. And then that whole, the story, like the first part of the story follows that summer where they kind of just fall in love and kind of have this very sweet romance free in the wilderness. But then things get kind of darker as both of the boys return to a heteronormative married life where Enos marries his longtime sweetheart Alma, played by the great Michelle Williams, and Jack marries a fellow rodeo rider um, and daughter of this big, like, farm equipment sales company CEO person. Um, She's played by Anne Hathaway. Her name is... uh, I'm going to 
She's played by Lori Newsom. Other great faces to be in the cast. We see Lena Card- Cardinelli is in the cast. David Harbour is there. When I saw David Harbour is in the cast, I was like, Daddy? Daddy, hi. Hi. I- I'm sorry. I have such a crush on David Harbour. It's so bad. Um, anyways, um, but the film follows their tortured love affair over the course of 20 years, um, including... Um, Enos's fallout with society and his dying marriage with Alma and his complicated relationship with his kids and Jack's kind of like, you know, not necessarily say to the same degree tortured life outside of his relationship with Enos, but certainly it has its downs. Um, the film touches a lot on toxic masculinity, closeted queerness, um, class differences, etc., etc. Um, and then, of course, the story ends, spoilers, with um, Jack being killed in a hate crime queer bashing and Enos mourns. And that's kind of like the end of the film. Not a whole lot happens. I'm sorry. Spoilers, spoilers. I guess, for my, my yeah, feelings spoilers. on the film. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So getting into the cast and crew, like we said, Jake Gyllenhaal plays Jack Twist. Heath Ledger plays Ennis Del Mar, director from the talented Ang Lee. The writer, the um, short story writer of this was Annie Prulux. And then the screenplay was written by both Diana Osana and Larry McMurdy. We have the cinematographer, Rodrigo Peridio, and the editors are Geraldine Peroni and Dylan Tickner. So it was a, it was I don't know, it, it, I, I liked the concept of the story. I agree. The writers did a good job, as good of a job as they could. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Editors did a good job as well, cinematographer Agreed. as well. Uh I don't know. I feel like Ang Lee might have missed, done a little swing and a miss. Um, I agree. I agree. Um, this one, this one's kind of hard. This one's kind of hard to dissect because while in the time of 2005, this was a big moment for queer cinema. Agreed. This was not the first film to have two queer protagonists in it. Uh, not the first queer rom-com by any means, but it, it was. It's not a comedy. It's not a comedy. I would classify it as, I found it funny. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a rom-com to you. So Noah it, finds it yeah, to be it's a, a rom-com. rom-com to me. Um, but it's not. So is it a rom So are you saying, are you saying queer bashing is funny, Noah? Are you saying yeah. queer bashing is funny? <laughs> are you saying that you support hate yeah. crimes against gay people? Oh, I do. hundred <laughs> Guys, okay, let me know here. Queer people are the most homophobic. Case in point, oh, yeah. Noah Dayheim. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Uh, the cast and crew was lined up so perfectly for a good film. And yet it just felt like it was missing out and like it was something was just not there. I agree. I agree. And I don't know. It could very well be that it was not casted for the queerness i don't know does that make sense so like the queer aspect of it it very it it very much felt like it was a queer film in a heteronormative way 
that looks at homosexuality through the lens of uh heterosexual through the lens of a straight person and when when casting happened i don't think they took the queerness into consideration like they should have and once again i fully believe that queer roles should be played by queer actors and I don't know, that would have sparked even more controversy at the time. Yeah. Which we will get into the controversy. Oh, we will, we will, we will, we will. Um, But it just, it felt like it was missing heart to it. I agree. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think my immediate thought was when you were like, it's missing something. I'm like, yeah, it's because it's not queer. It's gay, but it's not queer, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because... When we as, you know, you know, as queer people talk about, like, what it means to be part of the LGBTQ plus community, we use the term queer to describe things as, like, an adjective or, like, a state of being. Queer isn't just, like, being homosexual. It's also about, you know, standing out. It's also about the way you dress or present yourself. It's about your presentation in society. In society. It's about... A lot of things, and I think the film misses out on that inherent level of queerness because, I mean, on the one hand, you could argue that it's part of the storytelling, the fact that both Jake Gyllenhaal's character and Heath Ledger's character are deeply repressing their inherent queerness. I mean, it's like it's like they say at the front of the at the start of the movie when they start, you know, when they have their first like encounter. Which, I mean, by the way, having that like to like initial homosexual interaction with another person of the same gender presentation or sex and then like having that immediate like oh shit what have i done i'm not queer you know that right you know that's such a that's such a that's such a that's that's a normal thing to happen that happens to a lot of people it happened to me it happened to a lot of people um but at the start of the film, Heath Ledger's character Enos goes, "You know, I ain't queer, right?" Which I mean, at the time in 1963, was a, was a slur. It was a pejorative. Um, but in today's context, you know, the fact that they're repressing that queerness, as it were, I think it can speak to the lack of heart in the story. I guess you know, an in-universe mm-hmm. explanation. But at the same time. I agree. I think it's the fact that it's a film created by primarily straight people that lacks the nuance of queer storytelling. If it was a film created by queer people, I feel like there were so many, there would have been so many story changes that would not have happened. For instance, it wouldn't be trauma porn. Because I guarantee, yeah. um, well, unless you're like someone like Billy Eichner. <laughs> Ooh. Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner. Who copied, who just copied this film and set it into 2022 city. I am very curious to see how you, uh, you see that because I am, I'm I'm curious to see how you made those connections to bros because you mentioned to me that when we, when you finished film watching the film, you were like, I see so much of, of this in bros and is Rose, which is a very different story. You know, it's not trauma porn by any means. It's not like a like a tortured love affair, as it were. I mean, in some affairs, yes, it is, but tortured because Billy Eichner's character is insufferable. I'm curious to see how you drew those parallels. Would it, elaborate on that a little bit. Okay. 
let's break down both films. This goes into very stereotypical heteronormative way of looking at films. So this is of queer depictions, right? Yeah, a queer, uh, yeah, heteronormative depiction of queer life. Right. So a major thing that straight people say, especially back like what two thousand five and before, saying that oh, in a gay relationship, you have to maintain. Uh, a femme person in the relationship and a mask person in the relationship. Uh, the whole question, oh, who's the girl in the relationship? Jake Gyllenhaal has even gone on record talking about this before saying, yeah, I don't like that depiction of queerness because you don't have to have a person who's mask and a person who's femme in order for it to work out. You can have two masks, you can have two femmes. If you look at it that way, then you go over to bros and it's the same exact thing. So you have Billy Eichner's character who is very femme in it. And then you have his love interest, which is very masked. That's why the name of the movie is bros. It's because, oh, yeah, we're just going to be bros, dude. We're just bros. Uh, just, you know, just two guys hanging out. So that ideology of, oh, it's just two, it's just two guys falling in love, kind of bro-y kind of aspect of it. Oh, but one of them is actually a little bit more femme in the aspect and yada yada. In that way, one, the film lines up almost perfectly with each other. It, it's just one is set out in the middle of nowhere and one is set in a city. Then also, if you look at it with at different shots, you have the scene in Brokeback Mountain where Jack and Ennis are wrestling and that leads to more sex or you see them being very primal with each other that like the growling and all of that stuff that was a huge and very uncomfortable part of bros as well the whole wrestling scenes the primal the fighting with each other like oh yeah see we're just two bros oh you like that that kind of thing is very, they just very much line up with each other. And I I very much see that Billy Eichner watched this movie and was like, oh, how can I recreate it 20 years later? But then make it it different enough where people aren't going to be like, oh, yeah. But there are a lot of similarities. And it just shows that Billy Eichner really didn't put his personality into bros. That's what I feel like he didn't do. I feel like, well, he he put his personality, but I don't feel (laughs) he didn't put, he didn't put a personal touch on it though. This wasn't a personal, uh, bros was not a personal film. Bros is a film and just like Brokeback Mountain, that we've seen a million times before. It's the same characters written the same exact way. And um, I've, I've been talking with other people about this, about, okay, how can we change film, especially how can we change queer film and queer representation? Exactly. Well, how you do that is you write different characters. You have characters represented in different ways in different lights. You have, you don't just have, oh, two uh, the the two white cis characters um, in every film. So the bros and Brokeback Mountain definitely line up in the aspect of it is the cookie cutter of a r- romance movie. It's the cookie cutter of a gay romance movie that we've right. seen time and time again, and it's the same story over and over again. Exactly. And there's just no... 
difference. Like I can give a little bit more leeway to Brokeback Mountain than I can to Bros because Brokeback Mountain was what, 2005? Right. It was a, there was huge controversy um, in political movements and everything. And this film got a tremendous amount of backlash from oh, so much right wing media. Yeah, right wing media from politicians, from churches, a big protest across the whole US. So I can give that leeway to Brokeback Mountain that, okay, you're following the cookie cutter of a romance movie. Exactly. But then to Bros, I'm like, ooh, it is, it's about 20 years later and you're making the same film. It's the same film. So when I say that there's a con- when I say that there's a connection between the two, I'm not saying oh they're identical. I'm saying oh they are just following the same cookie cutter mold of oh this is what a gay couple, a white gay couple is like. Exactly, and I think that's exact. I, and I agree with those points. I think bros like love. I think Love Simon's a, an anomaly. I mean, like when we had our conversation about Love Simon, I think. I will give credit where that is due with the film. I I am. Oh yeah. Props to, first of all, prop mean props to the uh, Becky Albertalli for writing an interracial pairing, and props to Becky Albert Albertalli for not defaulting on the typical mask femme dichotomies because Simon is not presented as mask, neither is or femme, and he's kind of presented as just neutral in his gender presentation. And the same way that Bram, I mean, Bram is kind of more jockey, yes, but especially in the books, his character is a lot more shy and effeminate and quiet and reserved. And I want to give props where that is due. But with bros, you're correct in absolutely bringing out the fact that a lot of heteronormative um viewings of queer couples especially the gay couple is that you have a mask and a femme because like because that relies on gender binaries right who wears the pants it's like you said um and i agree that those are very antiquated values and yes it does get a bit of a pass because it was 2005 but at the same time it's like you're correct in making the point that billy eichner who you know, is one of the, unfortunately, leading voices in queer representation in Hollywood. Um, And one of the most mainstream ones, most well-known ones, has not done a very good job with the platform he has been given trying to create a intersectional work of art that challenges heteronormative perspectives, but rather relies on them. Like, a lot of, it's, again, it's the same story that's been told, but like, in a, this day and age where queer rights are under attack from our politicians and trans rights are under attack from our politicians and churches and communities, it's important that we continue creating media that can be persuasive in opening people's minds. And when you rely on these problematic stereotypes, you're just going to reinforce the idea that all queer couples are a masked femme rooted in trauma porn. And let's talk about the trauma porn because I want to speak on that. <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead, open up. How does this film really bring up trauma porn and how, well, how does it show trauma porn really should be the question. What I mean by trauma porn is I mean the fact that it is a film rooted in the centered and sensationalizes its story around the trauma of marginalized peoples. You see that a lot in a lot of stories told in, like, a lot of Academy Award-winning films and Academy Award-nominated films surrounding stories of POC people. You know, it's it's never a story about 
you know, unless, the rare exception being, of course, Black Panther in 2019. Um, but, like, whenever they tell a story about, like, you know, black folks in the United States, often it's rooted in the trauma of the African diaspora. It's not about, like, you know, Afrofuturism, as it were, the imagining a future where, you know, African-American and black folks around the world are, you know, have a good future. And, you know, a lot of scholars have written on this, but it's about, you know, the trauma that they face. And we see a very similar um, dichotomy scene in the presentation of, you know, stories around women combating misogyny in the workplace. And we see a lot of it, and especially queer stories, especially queer stories that are nominated in the Academy. It's like, it's like at this point a bingo game. Like when you're playing like Academy Award nominations, it's practically a bingo category at this point. Like, do have we nominated a trauma porn film for queer people? And that is rooted in so many different facets of the film. I think one of the first parts being, let's talk about queerness in the film specifically. Enos's toxic masculinity. Noah, what were your thoughts on Enos as a character? He definitely portrayed the very straight man who's going to care for his family and going to go out work on the ranch use my hands kind of thing okay to each their own but having that portrayed especially in a queer film it looks like it's minimizing queer experiences you know in some sort of form it feels like it's while I, I understand it's him trying to suppress the gay Okay, that's something that a lot of people who are raised religious will understand. Or you have to suppress or conservative. Or you both. have to suppress uh, primarily both. Um, <laughs> you you have to suppress the gay uh, because that is something that you are not. That is something that you fall into. It's falling into the quote unquote temptation, and I think that ideology definitely came across a lot in the film that. Oh, people aren't gay. They just fall into being gay. Like, oh, what what else were they going to do? Boys are going to be boys. They were just up there wrestling in the mountains and oh, now they're fucking. Yeah, you know, they're starved so, for they're starved for attention because they haven't had they haven't seen a hole in 3 weeks. So, might as well bang each other, right? You know, it's the phenomena of like what what was the, there I recently saw an article on Twitter talking about this phenomena in the South. Like 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 we're like straight men will have sex with each other and then say that's it like it's, it's their bros like when they're out on the ranch for like or like out hunting for weeks on end and like i don't remember what the phenomena is called i'll find a way to link it in like an article that we post on the, on socials but i just think it's it's a very interesting phenomena but at the same time it calls into question our very rigid ideas in society around like what is considered straight and what is considered qu- gay you know and, and i don't mean queer i mean gay like a straight flat out homosexual you know what i mean like exclusively one or the other binary thinking where it's like if you identify as straight but then you have sex with a man that makes you gay but i mean mm-hmm. which is which is what a lot of people say which i don't think is necessarily true which again the term queer is why that's such a great term because it's very loose it doesn't mean a lot and i mean it does mean a lot but i mean it doesn't mean specifically one thing it could mean that you're exclusively attracted to someone of the same gender slash sex it could mean that you are attracted to 
both or all kinds of people or that you know it's like a 75 30 thing it's really it's it's a loose term it's an umbrella term that a lot of it just simply means you're not straight and i wish the film leaned into that more because i mean when the actors have gone on the record talking about the film jake gyllenhaal uh silly boy has gone on the record saying that the film is about two straight guys who fall in love which is not what this movie's about I feel like that is what the movie is, though. I feel like that is how the movie was directed. Was oh, it, this isn't mm. about this isn't about a two queer people that ended up going up to the mountains and then they fell in love. No, how it was portrayed and how it is directed and how really it was put together is that no, this these are two straight guys. You can see that they're straight. See, they're married. They go into other relationships. But they just they had their moment of weakness where, oh, what else were they going to do? They uh, like we said, they're they haven't seen a hole in so long. And now (laughs) they're just craving it's the primal masculine instinct, right? To attack and fuck. Exactly. And that's that's how they portray in the film, too. Right. It's like when after that initial summer when Enos and Jack go their separate ways and they don't see each other for four years until, you know, Jack reaches out of the blue and they go on a fishing trip, fishing, fishing trip together. Um, You know, it's like, Enos describes it as like, you know, oh, like, you know, we're just going to see each other for as long as we can ride it out until this instinct dies, which is, again, like a very, again, it's a very like, on the one hand, when you grow up in those conservative religious contexts in a, and especially in a time like 1963 where, you know, homosexuality is de facto criminal where like, you know, you could be literally, as we see in the end of the film murdered for having queerness inside you for being queer. Um, that is a very, on the one hand, that's a very probably normal response to have to, not discovering your sexuality and thinking it's just something you're going to write out. But on the other hand, it's 2005. And we've at that point, we've gone way past that mark. And if you want to tell, on the one hand, if again, this is where the film gets complicated, right? Because if you want to tell an authentic story true to that time, that's a very normal response to have. But at the same time, part of me... Uh, I'm at that point in my life, where this is where I'm getting to my personal takeaways, where I feel like the need to tell that kind of story even at that time frame is just so like i'm like over it like i i get it but i don't I, we don't need it anymore we i don't need, i would argue we didn't even need it back in 2005 like yeah and again like the ar- the argument that the argument that enos and jack are straight characters is truly a heterosexual framing of the story when in itself the story's contents are not are anything but straight like i would argue based on my reading of the film and the way the characters are coded enos is a flaming gay like he's probably gay the way that like look at the way that he presents his relationship with his wife alma he never wants to have sex with her unless it's for the action of procreation which is a very typical thing for queer men or gay men specifically trapped in heterosexual relationships to do there's stories about that people have talked about gone on record and experienced that that's a story that's been told time and time again it's a it's a it's a stereotype rooted in some kind of truth and 
you know, Jake Gyllenhaal's character probably bisexual or queer or pan in some way. You know, that's my reading of the story. But to argue that they're both just straight, I feel like flattens the nuance of the story, which is a, a, a misread. It's it's yeah. like you can't you you which again, this wouldn't be true if this would this presentation would not be argued if the film was portrayed or at least you know Enos and Jack were portrayed by queer characters or queer actors. Yeah. Sorry, and I think this is a good time to get into then the controversies of the film, which there are, are many. So when the film came out in 2005, this is when uh, Fox News was starting their growth um, God help more us in the public sector. And they received, well, Brokeback Mountain received so much criticism, primarily from Fox News and right-wing outlets, um, which then led to uh, the churches talking about it too, where it was, oh, we need to protest this. We need to go out there and we need to we need to tell them exactly what we think about this. So there were protests all across the country at movie theaters, at movie theaters showing this movie. It, it was just completely asinine. Fox News repeatedly said this is liberal and gay propaganda that is trying to push a agenda of some sorts. And I'm just going to say this right now. We are about 20 years after the film got released. It has been two decades. And they are still saying the same things today on that network. Mm -hmm. They are saying the same things today in the churches. They are saying the same thing today everywhere. How has their ideology not adjusted with time exactly which that that's one thing that i could talk about forever about the idea that they are so i'm going to use the word brainwashed (laughs) they have they have basically brainwashed themselves to believe the ideology that we have propaganda and we have a certain uh, way we want the whole country, the whole world to go. Okay? Right. Exactly. Hell, they say the same exact thing about us that we're brainwashed to over on the other side. So this is a thing that goes back and forth. But what I just find fascinating is that their argument has not changed in the past 20 years. Of course not. Their argument has not changed all in the past 20 years talking about queerness and while the right wing what they have a they have gay people in uh the legislator now what george santos who just what he just introduced some kind of like anti like like full-on anti-queer book ban with mtg yeah we're just like bro what the hell like you're you're playing yourself you're the one that's good at the end of the day if the fascists take over and start rounding up the queer folks you're gonna be at the guillotine too whether you like it or not so like don't come for me bro (laughs) don't come for me bro step the fuck up bro i just i feel like they are just stuck in the mindset and just are not going to grow. So th- that was a huge controversy that happened uh, back in 2005. Well, it started in 2004, went to 2005, went to 2006. 
um uh, this movie they 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 brought this movie up a whole hell of a lot on uh on Fox News and it's kind of like how uh the Daily Wire keeps talking about Sam Smith it's the you're like oh this person is irrelevant over and this per- over and exactly over it's again. a and- consistent panic that there is a um propaganda that is being pushed on a, a agenda that is being pushed on the younger generation and while yes all art is propaganda in some way shape or form that is not what is going on here this was just a queer film while yes it didn't do a great job about representing queer identities it still is a queer film in 2005 and mm-hmm. the pushback for and the unwillingness to learn and grow really just shows oh fox news and the right wing they're they're always going to be this way they're not willing to change uh some other controversy that happened also was um Brokeback Mountain lost Best Picture at the Academy Awards to Crash. Which, wow, which I mean, that was that that was dumb. I'm gonna be honest. That was that that was dumb. Crash is not a good movie. It is not a good film. I'm sorry. I will. I'll, I'll speak on it another time. But Crash is not a good film. And I don't know how it yeah. got nominated. I don't know how it won. And listen, bet the nominees that year weren't my favorite of you know of all time. But, you know, come on. Really? Exactly. That over Brokeback Bro- Broke Mountain was a decent pick. There were, there were a couple other ones. Why did you go with Crash? Exactly. Come on. Come on. So, yes, this film had a lot of controversy. It actually still does. It's still brought up in um, right-wing media a lot, saying right. that, see, this is the agenda they're still pushing on our kids. And it's just asinine what what they keep saying about it. Kind of stepping away from your spiel on the right wing and commentary. I mean, it's kind. Of, I mean, we could even trace this rhetoric like far back from Fox News to you know Anita Bryant, who was a um, politician and ad- uh, anti queer advocate, anti queer, anti trans, anti LGBTQ advocate back in like the '60s, who very much was like the founder of the modern argument around queerness and anti transness. Um, from the right wing and far right fascists, the idea that like, you know, they're going to target the family home, that this is bad for people. And we have, I think there are so many layers to anti LGBTQ plus arguments, but I think one of the most important things we have to remember is that it all comes back to capitalism. Like I'm getting on my Marxist shit here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I, I need, I need to get on my Marxist shit here. Like queer people the are a lot of these arguments around queer people like being bad for the family and corrupting children that comes down to the argument that like ultimately that we're trying to convert people into being queer or trans and the reason why people are scared of that is because the idea that queer people at the end of the day there are a lot of reasons for it but the fundamental purpose of it is that queer people cannot reproduce which has mm-hmm. been categorically proven false and maybe that's why, you know, there are Republicans and other conservative individuals like or libertarian conservative individuals that have warmed up to at least, you know, LGB people, you know, or like like the LGB alliance, which is a fucking hate crime group. Fuck them. Um, but 
you know, like the fact that like they've warmed up to them because they've come up with the idea like, oh, you can be gay and still reproduce and have kids and still produce more working bodies for the capitalist system to keep our economy going and our country going, right? It's all about preserving the bloodline, preserving the family unit, because if you can preserve and create children, you can then create more working bodies to support the capitalist system, which is, again... Mm-hmm. And, and again, I'm not going out here right now and saying this big declaration of capitalism is the worst thing ever, although I am quite partial against it. What I am saying is that these arguments created by these right-wing individuals that have been dating back since the dawn of time are designed fundamentally to weaponize human gross, human, human fear and human reactions of disgust. But like all the shit that like is developed in like our you know, fight or flight responses, the thing that like triggers our ew, gross response. I want to stay away from that or, and then weaponize that as a means to, um, you know, support the capitalist system. And that's not what people actively think. That's not what people are actively thinking. They're not thinking, oh, I'm just perfecting the family unit. I'm just white knighting for, you know, the good American values. But at the end of the day, good American values are rooted in protecting and upholding capitalism. So... Just wanted to point that out there. Like, the again, that's why a lot of problematic systems and institutions like white supremacy exist in the first place, is to uphold capitalism. So, and we'll leave exactly. it at that. Hot girl Marxist shit. <laughs> proud of you. You finally got your Marxism into the... Thank into you. The, into an episode. Thank so proud you. of you. So, kudos are due where they are deserved. Uh, this film... Yes, we we keep bringing it up. It was a 2005 film about queer relationships, even though it didn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily written that way or directed that way or really shown that way. Um, This still was a big moment, even though they knew criticism was coming. They knew that this was going to put a mark on them for ever really in the eyes of the right wing or of uh right wing media pundits and all of that right they still went through with it which is which which is a pretty big deal right this was it was also academy uh award nominated which was a big deal as well so getting that 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 was a it's kind of like the two steps forward one step back yeah very <laughs> they, much they so like so they were like oh forward. yeah oh we're gonna we're, we're gonna walk yeah, a little back exactly, now okay exactly. and then also kudos for it was a gay cowboy drama i'm like i didn't know that genre existed and i don't think that there's a lot of um call for that for that genre as a whole I I don't know. There there's this film did a lot for the queer community as a whole in 2005. I feel like now looking back at it in 2023, we can identify a lot of room for improvement and then we can look at bros from 2022 and see, oh, they're not taking the criticism they need to take to make their art better and more representative. So like the big difference between bros and Brokeback Mountain. Bros was directed by a queer individual. It was directed, it was written by Billy Eichner. Yet he somehow still fell short in the representation, the true representation of queer identities. Right. So... 
yes, there, there, there's a lot of good and bad in, in the mixture here. And I think when I, when I rate movies, when I'm going through an analysis of a movie, I look at it in the time frame that it was at. This was a 2005 film. I give it kudos for that. It was a, right. if this was released now, I'd be like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" But because it was a 2005 film, I, I, I give it pretty decent kudos. Right, but I think we also need to be aware of the critique that this is very much an overrepresentations of a type of story. Like, mm-hmm. and I'll admit, when I was a kid growing up, I feel very fortunate that I was able to come of age during the time when queer representation was starting to become more of a mainstream, prominent thing. And you know, one of the most fundamental, like, you know, touchstones in my rep- or in terms of seeing myself on television and in Hollywood was in Glee with Kurt Hummel's character. And, um, you know, in back when I was in high school, Love, Simon, which I, I have grown to dislike now as an adult and someone who has, you know, grown in their queer non-binary identity. But when I was a kid, that was really important to me. And that's great. But, I'm also rep- but I also completely recognize that my experience is very much not normative of the general queer experience in that... It is a very overrepresented perspective. And while I got to have that representation and you got to have that representation, most people didn't. And that's where my critique and a lot of other people's critiques with the um, the film come into play, is that it is a string in a long, 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 long line of white cis gay trauma porn or white cis gay rom-com romances and specifically yeah. cis gay male romances broke back mountain in shows like glee although like glee also did have um glee also had did have uh, a lesbian interracial pairing with uh, santana and Brittany, and that kudos to that pairing um but then there's also love simon then there's bros and a bunch of other films which is why you know stories and films like you know Fire Island are so subversive is because they decenter the white gay male perspective, um, and why a lot of television shows and on streaming networks also are and animated shows decenter the white gay male perspective is because they are not they they are fundamentally trying to break the idea of what a queer couple looks like in mainstream media. There's this really great mm-hmm. quote that I found from. Fran Tirado for uh, for a uh, 2020 article on a 15-year reflection on um, Brokeback Mountain from Bitch Media. Uh, It says, We're never going to stop telling these stories like Brokeback Mountain, which are stories about cis white gay men going through hardships surrounding a coming out story. A a lot of folks draw a line from Brokeback Mountain to the story of Matthew Shepard, a gay man who was murdered in Wyoming. And Side note from me, um, that is a very tragic event that did happen in queer history. And, you know, it is something to always be remembered and keep in mind. But going back to the quote, but while Shepard's death received national coverage, organizers had long struggled to achieve the same visibility for the deaths of black trans women, such as Marsha P. Johnson. It's frustrating to watch films about cis white gay men made over and over and over again and get greenlit and lauded for being truly fine. And that, I saw that and I was like, yup, that is so true. Because Love, Simon, at the end of the day, is a fine movie. Brokeback Mountain, I gave it three stars on Letterboxd. It is fine. 
It is okay. It is the most movie ever. Bros, it was terrible, but at the end of the day, I've seen a lot worse. And yeah. that's the problem with a lot of these like cis white gay male films is they're they're being lauded as subversive and groundbreaking. And Brokeback Mountain, for the time that it was, was subversive. But it also broke open this really detrimental trend in Hollywood where the law of unintended consequences led to the overrepresentation of white gay men in our media. And that's that stands true not just in queer media, but also in a lot of reality television, in a lot of um you know, like with Queer Eye, the original Queer Eye, not the new Queer Eye. The new Queer Eye is diverse, and we respect that very much so. But the old Queer Eye, you know, with Carson Kressley. Um, and, you know, folks like, um, you know, in Hollywood directors, like, or in actors like Neil Patrick Harris and Billy Eichner, and, of course, my mortal enemy, Ryan Murphy. So, you know, the white gay male perspective is very much a perspective in Hollywood and even even on this podcast, although, you know, we, we try our best to also bring in our outside perspectives of being, you know, neurodivergent and non-binary into the perspective. You know, a lot of our formation, Noah and I, especially, I, guess, I would argue my formation, comes in the white gay male perspective. And I guess these last couple of years have been a, a long And it will continue to be a lifelong struggle for at least me, I hope, um, trying to de-center and de, you know, derail this perspective and try to de-center it from my life and other and the lives of others around people. Because at the end of the day, it's a valid perspective, but it should not be the default perspective. And it should not be the overrepresented perspective. It should just be a representative that's perspective, that's, you know, shown in media. And I hope at some point we can... I wonder when we're going to step away from that. Sorry, that was a long-winded... That was a very sprawling, long-winded thought. I'm so sorry. It's just... Well, let's go ahead. There's a lot of layers to that. There's a lot of layers to that. And I think that we can unpack that through even multiple episodes of So Stereotypical. Talking about what, what can we do to step away from the consistent cis white gay films. So I'm I'm looking through a list of LGBTQ romance films right now. And all of them, all of them are cis white gays. God damn it, so, Hallmark. God damn it, Hallmark. God damn it, Hallmark. God damn it, Billy Eichner. Fuck you, Billy Eichner. So, you see what you've done this? <laughs> I I am of the belief that bros has set back gay rights by 15 years. We're back. We're oh, back to Brokeback Mountain oh, now. We're, we're back, back, back to Brokeback Mountain. Back. So go, going into our takeaways, uh, m- the main takeaway for me is we need diversity in characters that are oh, written. Yeah. We've seen Jack and Ennis before, and we'll see them over and over and over and over again going into the future in in queer film, and not just in queer film, because this is the this is a cookie cutter mold. And I specifically I want to see Hollywood getting away from that get away from the cookie cutter get away from what makes you comfortable because you shouldn't feel comfortable when you're writing when you're writing and you go into that comfort level you're going into just autopilot and it ends up being these same characters written over and over again so we need to make characters unique and not fall into the same traditional stereotypes and I am looking at you Billy Eichner like you wrote the most stereotypical movie 
bros. That is, it is a stereotypical gay movie. And you wanted it to be something else. You wanted it to be unique. It's not. It's, so we continue to see this over and over again. And I just hope that there's going to be change. And I, I think there will be change. I agree with a lot of the things that you said about the takeaway from bros. I, or bros and fuck. Brokeback Mountain. It's it's the same three starting letters. Um, whoa, bro isn't. You can't spell Brokeback Mountain without bro. Please go to your takeaways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please, God, just did I lie? Takeaways. Did I lie? Did I fucking you lie? Didn't lie, but it's I true, lie. and I don't like it because <laughs> it is. It's the same movie. Uh, okay, um, let's get started. For me just kind of walking away from this project. It was a groundbreaking film for its time, but it's, I do believe that its values and narratives have aged like cheese. I believe that its values and narratives have um, aged like milk. It's, it's, it's not good. The milk is spoiled. The milk is curds at this point. The milk is, the milk is rock hard. It's not good. It's bad. Um, and while it's a very beautifully shot film, which I mean, we didn't even get into the cinematography of the film, but I think it's a very beautifully shot film. I think it's a very aesthetically pleasing film. It's a very well acted film. The soundtrack is awesome. It's a good presentation, but again, all art is propaganda to an extent. And the propaganda and the message and the takeaway of the film is problematic at its core. We've seen films like that done better, and we need to continue pushing for better diversification of queer and trans storytelling. And quite frankly, I think that starts with letting queer people telling our own stories, letting us tell our stories by ourselves, written by us, performed and acted by us. So that way we can nail the nuance and show exactly what we're all about and why we why we deserve to be here and why we are deserving of the same equal dignities and privileges as anyone else. That's it. Period. Exactly. So thank you for tuning in for this week's episode of So Stereotypical. Please remember to follow us on social media. All the links are located down below. Love you, Alexander. I love you too, Noah. Catch y'all next week. <laughs>